Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies, films and TV with my best friend James. Hello there. And this week's no exceptions, we roll into another episode. Now that the IT gremlins have been resolved, we're back to our regular programming, hopefully, of a weekly podcast exploring the wonderful world of movies, films and TV, television shows. James, how's your week been? My week has been fantastic, so it's great to be here with you with new equipment. You know, the laptop serves as well, and I'd like to take a minute now and just respect the years, the years it served us. If you're drinking an alcoholic beverage right now, just pour one out for your homie. That laptop just did as well. It did as well. Towards the end, it was flooring, but will always be with us, and was the third most productive of this member of this podcast, (laughs) at a point where there was four of us. (laughs) So, there you go. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking about films and uh, catching up on the things that we've seen, because last week we did a... We did a horror quiz, our annual horror quiz, where we uh, did a bit of role play. We tested our trivia of horror movies, doing a bit of survival. James, you did very well last week. I did survive. No, I did survive. You did. I did, did survive. It's so rare that I survived. But also, I want to say, Aaron, Dungeon Master, that was very well played. I'm glad that we f- we actually got it out because mm. that was well written and you would have forgotten about it in a year's time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> if, if you like quizzes, if you like to test your trivia, if you like interactive episodes where you get to play along, do check out last week's show uh, if you've missed it. But if you go through our film, uh, our catalogue of episodes, there's over 260 now. <sighs> there's four or five Halloween ones. There's there's Christmas quizzes. There's loads of different interactive ones. This one, though, however, is just general chit chat. Just got to catch, mate. It's been a few weeks. We've seen some movies. They've been they've been stockpiled, mate. I have seen some of the very worst that this guy has got to offer. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna twist you. It's gonna turn you. And I'm gonna tell you now. I've seen maybe the laziest acting in the world, where an actor might have signed on for a film and said, "I don't want to stand this film. I want to sit in a car." Oh, I've seen that film. Is it Liam Neeson's uh, Retribution? Yeah, he was in his contract. He was like, "I'm just gonna sit. Yeah, I don't want to move. I'm gonna sit right here." Anyway, we'll get on to it. We'll talk about that movie because I've seen that one as well. Sky Cinema seems to be the go-to for us two at the minute. It does. Netflix is. I find, ass, harder, mate. I find it harder to find decent stuff, but I have watched a, a brilliant documentary on Netflix, which I want to talk about, and that's the David Beckham four-part oh, documentary. I do want to watch that that's straight from my childhood, obviously 90s, it was one of the most dominant football teams in the world, then was you know moved on to even more dominant football. Actually, quite a likeable guy. Do you remember when the Queen passed and everyone was accused of like rushing well, Holly and Philip were Holly and Philip but then David Beckham man of the people I, you know stood in line I love that when the people are going you know he's just a man of the person you know with his 12 security guards around him as no, well as his, I'm not going to go good no, for you Beckham Beckham stood on that line in his own with his flat cap and his coat 12 hours to pay his respect uh, for anyone who didn't get the reference Holly and Philip because that's a very English thing cause and we, they're not even around anymore yeah <laughs> it was a two daytime uh, host TV host that, just, that uh, did a show called This Morning cringeworthy daytime television morning television that was hosted by them two on a sofa every country has their version of a horror holly yeah. and philip uh we're accused of jumping the line we have a lot of international listeners we for some reason a lot of list- downloads at the moment in denmark well, so we, we love you. you uh i don't know any dennish and i won't offend you by trying <laughs> um but let's start there and let's start with um the david beckham documentary before we go into it because it, it Sometimes we're like, oh, and then we talk about it, and then we talk about other things, and so we come back to it. Let's we'll just dance around, yes. Because um, it's very brief. The David Do- David Beckham documentary is exactly what it says on the tin. It is a documentary about David Beckham and <gasps> his rise to fame with Manchester United Football Club and then the various football clubs and uh, franchises that he developed thereafter. 
And it's an in-depth look at the highlights and the lows. And the lows were low in that man's career, bless him. Particularly around World Cup time. I was going to say, he was nationally hated. Uh, 98 in France, man. He got sent off for a kick at Diego Simone, who went on to be manager of Atletico Madrid. And I, to this day, still don't understand why it was a red card. People go, it's definitely red. Some of the tackles, I'm not happy, mate. If there was VAR, it wouldn't happen. Actually, it would, because VAR's crap. But I don't want to get into it. Too political. I'm I'm not into football. I don't religiously watch football. And uh, I don't follow any soccer team or anything like that. But I, I was team. I was around when David Beckham was at his peak. I, I remember the haircuts that everyone was doing and following, and I remember the hype that he was this awesome player. And it was like, God, he's British, yes, and yes. I remember the World Cup, and I remember you know like Hoddle kind of throwing him to the wolves, and he's a silly boy. And then it was all over. You know, he was hated. I remember the scandals that were, he was involved in as well. Do you remember in like the World Cup twenty? 20- 2002 though when he had a foot injury and the son printed off a picture of his foot and they mm. asked us all to touch it and heal through the power of touch That's on a newspaper <laughs> god bless the Pe- son people paid for that <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it's an interesting time but i found the documentary it's most fascinating when it goes into his time at real madrid and you know the kind of the all-star team that they created which he was in, which he wasn't in the league and that's that's how good they were yeah it was really that's that for me was that this is the bit i didn't know because when yeah. he moves from manchester united you know and it goes it has ferguson being interviewed about you know obviously kicking the boot at his face yeah it's when he goes to real madrid that that's the real fascinating bit for me i'm like oh this is that chapter that i wasn't aware of. i didn't watch international football and you know the impact that that guy had i mean the that is like rock star, movie star, sports star, all in one, that yes. lifestyle. And the craziness of the paparazzi following him everywhere he went. Every country he was in a brand ambassador for something or another. It's really fascinating. And um, Victoria Beckham's interviewed throughout it as well. And, and of course, you know, she has her own career, but it's really interesting to hear her side of like what it's like being married to David Beckham, you yeah. know. and Just a simple working class girl. Yeah, yeah. It, it, obviously, that famous thing. Dad's Rolls Royce. Yeah, Dad's Rolls Royce. Yeah. Can I just say that David Beckham changed the as a child growing up. He changed the landscape of what it meant to idolise a sports star. I remember there's a kid at school I didn't like bullied me a lot. Do you remember when David Beckham shaved his head? Mm. And everyone was shocked. It was like, oh, he has golden locks. How dare he shave his head like, looks like a thug. And kids around the world did it. At my school, you had to have, at most, a number four. This guy shaved his head and got suspended. And he was in the Lincolnshire Echo, right? And it said, uh, the, the newspaper was suspended for shaving his head like uh, his idol. I'm going to drop a fact now. I'm not going to mention names because I'm, I'm above that. He had head lice. That's why I shaved his head. My <laughs> mum knew his mum. He had head lice. Fuck him. <laughs> If you remember that story, Ed lies. <laughs> anyway, moving on. No, it's really, and then of course, you know, when you think you, you think the career's over, you know, Real Madrid weren't, uh, you know, the the star team that they fought, and then they did come back, they did win. It then talks about his move to America in American football, mm. soccer, kind of going into the MLS. He was the MLS at LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy. King, Stephen Gerrard joined later, and then and then back to Europe for France for the French team. Yep. And and now, of course, you know, leading as a captain or manager for Miami. Owner of Inter, Inter Miami. Oh, of course, there's the Inter Milan bit. And there's the, all, yeah, yeah. It, it's fascinating. And one of the things I really loved about it, I, I think documentaries are always, no matter what the topic is, yeah. a good documentary sucks you in. And sometimes it's even better if you don't know. Yeah, the, yeah, the, you the, can the, learn the, new yeah. worlds. Yeah, I agree with that. But I love the editing in, in documentary filmmaking. And I love... You know, the fact that with this one in particular, it's like, it's there in my brain. I'm like, yeah, I remember this. You know, and they're talking about like 
you know a free kick in 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 uh, in you know against Greece. I'm like, yeah, I remember watching this I with my brother, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and with my dad, and you know stuff like that. So, and, and it's wholesome, you know. At the end of it, you know, you've got this guy who I think the I think the crowning achievement out of all of it is his family, and that's really wholesome. At the end of it, you know, you got this great career, this superstar, absolute superstar. And now he lives, you know, on a little farm, and he loves grilling, and he has a family around him, you know, and he he has a, you know, he plays football with his kids and stuff like. But they have their own careers. It's great. It was it was really really good four part episode uh, documentary. Do you know what's really nice as well is that he comes across as a nice bloke, and that's really hard to do. You know, as soon yeah. as a little bit of fame gets to someone's head, I don't know. Let's use Gwyneth Paltrow as an example. <laughs> you know, she turns into an utter nutcase. And I'm only joking. She's probably a lovely person, but it's nice to see David Beckham just being nice. Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> there's an article that's come out today that was like. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow says in the latest interview, there's only one person that can bring her out of retirement, and that's uh, Robert Downey Jr. It's the only person that could convince her to go back so to the please, film. Robert. So the whole know. world was like, Robert, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is not a call to arms. They're, uh, they're talking about somehow writing him back into the MCU to save them. I hope that doesn't they're happen. they're going to. And, and really he'll do that. it because it's Robert Downey Jr. He's cool. He's got more life than a cat. Yeah. He's going to come back at some point as Iron Man in some weird twist of fate. And... And and you know they got some of the best writers. When when because the thing is with Marvel, when they get it right, they get it right. They haven't got it right for a while though. Yeah, yeah, but no, I agree. You're with watching you. Loki, I, I it's on the list. I liked the first season. I'm with you. I quite liked it. I like what it set up, but I wasn't rushing out for another. I feel like Loki's storyline was good. You know, he was the villain. Then he was the anti-hero. Then he sacrificed himself for his brother, which he never thought he would do, and he died. And I genuinely think I mean, that, his arc was done, wasn't it? His arc was done, yeah. and it's just like. But then Tom Hiddleston's, you know, very. Good. Market boy, he's, he's a brilliant good. actor. He's very, very charismatic, and but his relationship with Owen Wilson is very good on screen. It's weird, you like Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston work <laughs> brilliantly, like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, I, I what I want is I want to remove the jelly. Um, <laughs> I liked him in the. I think the Night Manager was one of his best roles. Did you ever see High Rise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so good in High Rise. That's where I want him to go. I want him to go off and like go for the Oscar now. You've earned your money. Go off and do an Oscar, Tom. Come, I'm good friends with him. Good, good friends. First name basis. Yeah, first name, mate. Beckham, I wanted to do very short because I didn't want yeah. someone downloading this episode who's not into football to be like, oh god, it's two two guys talking about football because I don't know anything about football. We've moved on. We've moved on from <laughs> We've that. Moved on. We've done a bit of Loki. Loki is all right. It's not yeah. as good as season one. One thing I will say from Loki, sorry, is I didn't watch like a recap. I went straight into season two, and and I was like, yeah, I, I do remember the end. I remember like them going to the end of time. There's been a lot of Loki. Jonathan Mayer's there, Myers, and I remember them doing this and then that happened and all this stuff's happening in the start of season two and I'm like why why is she there and and why is Sylvie now working in a McDonald's in the 80s and I, and I was a bit lost I'll be honest I'm lost and yeah I don't have a clue yeah I'll find out presumably but I felt old I felt like I'm not hip anymore I can't I can't maintain where I am because I remember like talking to you know like my dad or something about like Marvel films and he's like which one are we on now you know he has uh, yeah. no idea of the continuity I feel like I've slipped into that I'm like, what universe are we in now, James? <laughs> I can't think of anything worse than someone going, oh, do you want to rewatch all of the MCU? No. <laughs> Was it like two years ago? Yes, I'd be all over that. That'd be fantastic. Not anymore. Right. I'm go- I'll sh- <laughs> no, don't. I'm going to tell you, sorry. I had a secret mission okay. that I just am not going to be able to fulfill. Can I just tell you, just before you start this, I don't think it'll be as epic as Esther. So Esther's never seen the MCU. She'd seen some of them. She's like, let's watch them from the start. She got to Iron Man 2. <laughs> Yeah, so, so. Uh, mine mine was very similar in that uh, I, I tried to convince my wife to go on that journey with me 
and to review each of the each of the films after um, we'd watched them. Okay. And uh, we got to about the same. I'm going to try and find the notes I was making because they're fucking brilliant. I was like, so what was your favourite bit? And <laughs> stuff like that. Just vamp for a minute and let me find well, the notes. Well, if we're talking about superheroes, I'm going to tell you about Gen V, obviously the spin-off from The Boys, and I genuinely think yeah, yeah. I genuinely think The Boys is quite possibly one of the most on-point TV series. Amazon have hit the nail on the head here. Um, obviously, a lot of tongue-in-cheek, over-the-top violence, graphic nature upsetting scenes it's a it's a non-pc tv series which gl- which kind of like glorifies the fact that it's not pc it responds really well with audiences gen v takes it from the mainstream puts it at a university for superheroes you get to learn about new characters they're still put in some very disgusting situations and like the powers are a bit more like out of control we've got uh, the main character controls blood and it's, dis- it's like t- mm. she has to cut herself to like produce the blood that she can control. It's quite horrible scenes of, uh, but it sets up their universe so brilliantly that after watching it, I just wanted to see The Boys season four. I'm a huge The Boys fan. There's only one other TV show that I think could hit the heights and 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 kind of like wean wean me off. Um, the boys and that's invincible which is obviously just started series two on yes. amazon i'm looking forward to that so if you don't like the styling the voice styles of jk simmons i don't know what is wrong with you jk simmons is glorious in the first series as the basically the problem is kind of like it's a bit of a cliche now all the stories we get now are what if superman went bad we even had that in a superman film for a little bit <laughs> superman went bad this is the only storyline we can tell now with a, a godlike character but um it's well voice acted. The art style's brilliant. Again, grown up, kind of. It mixes the line between your PC. This is a fifteen. If the boys is a hard eighteen and the Marvel universe is a PG, Invincibles is a fifteen, but it's a great watch. And season two's just started. The only downside, mate, one episode a week. I'm not built for that. I need to gorge. The, the thing with Gen V, though, when I watched the first episode, and I've, it's like the introduction of the character, like you said, where she uses blood as a weapon. And it happens. Weapon, it? Yeah. And it. And I get that it's always about pushing boundaries and and, um, and and shock value for the boys, but I was like, okay, so so you're telling me that characters never bled before until yeah. until they hit the period. I think I think the the thing the idea is that the period happens activates the gene. Yeah, which I, then I think that's it. the thing with the boys, isn't it? Is that you can you can get your powers yeah. at any time. But what I did like about it is that she's not a hero. She doesn't belong. But like the world of being a hero isn't what we think. She's introduced as kind of a nobody. Like, she asked, oh, what are your social media followers? Mm. You know, she hasn't got any. She doesn't even have a phone. And everyone's like, you freak. <laughs> you know, she's shunned because she doesn't have that. And what's really weird is at super superhero school, there's theatre or there's actually being a superhero. Those mm. are the only two choices of, like, your majors. And I, I really liked it. It's got great cameos. It sets up season four perfectly. The last episode can be quite jarring because it deals with a school, someone out of control with their power, mm. you know, America, it, it does offer parallels which aren't comfortable. But and then, and what's there to say? It, it's uncomfortable at times, but then sometimes that's when the best acting happens. So Clancy Brown, Clancy motherfucking he, Brown, he shows up in a lot of stuff now. Who would have thought the Kurgan? Would, when you watch the Kurgan, <laughs> when you watched Highlander all yeah. that time ago, did you think, do you know what? By the time we hit like you know pandemic era, he's going to be in every TV show. And voice acting Krusty Krabs. But right, you say you're right. So he voice acted Krusty Krabs, but in the 1998, oh fuck, I'm gonna know that animated Mortal Kombat series, he voices Raiden for no reason. <laughs> just like, where's Clancy Rand? Oh, mate, Striker. You know Striker, who no one likes. He's just like the cop, voiced by Ron Perlman. <laughs> Never forget. 
Well, there's a link there as well with obviously Clancy Brown being in Punisher Season 1 and Ron Perlman being in the uh, Tom Jane YouTube Punisher movie, which <gasps> is better than the John Travolta. So, obviously, the Punisher came out with John Travolta as the villain. It did. The film's... I, I mean, if the, it wasn't called The Punisher, it'd be a good film. The thing is, everyone who watches that film loves it. Then when you rewatch, you go, oh, oh, no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> when you said, like, good. John Bethanel, like, <laughs> yeah, like smashing yeah. Jerry, you're like, but oh. There's, but there's a YouTube, if you haven't seen it, check out the, it's called The Lawn Laundry, I think. Yeah. And it's a seven, ten minute. It's back, back when, again, a lot of Kickstarters were trying to get uh, commissioning by getting YouTube views, like Deadpool did very successfully. Yeah. Uh, but Tom Jane returns as The Punisher in a real brutal sure and you're like yeah that was the film we wanted to see instead of the john travolta one that happens all the time you get like a little short because obviously deadpool famously the opening sequence is what they kind of shot for youtube and that's mm. kind of what they got the budget from and then we always we got a perfect casting and tried yeah nathan drake was nathan fillion for like 10 minutes and it was awesome proof of concept is what they're going for isn't it yeah. this is what you could have funders um <laughs> just going back just before i lose it is uh yeah so i started watching um the marvel films for and i only got we only got three in and we Jesus. stopped at captain we stopped at captain america because you know there's obviously other things to do than watch the first avenger take down the nazis um but so these are the notes iron man 1 2008 uh, overall seven out of ten. Ooh. iron man the character eight out of ten. Ooh. Acting seven out of ten. Ooh. Action and visual effects six. I still think they kind of hold up, you know. How villainous was the villain? A five out of ten. I disagree. I thought Obadiah was a very good. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges was very good. Storyline seven. I can see that. Yeah. And then what I wanted was best bits of the film, um, and the the response was the taking names. <laughs> the first time Iron Man uh, shows who's the boss, and the scene where they save the kids. Like that. And the bad should... bits were nothing really stands out, it was okay. <laughs> I reckon we should get them printed on t shirts. Iron Man two. Overall six. Oh, she's gone too high. Way Iron too Man, high. Uh, Iron Man is the character eight. What? A- acting eight. Do you remember <clears throat> do you remember that film when he's dying and just invents a new like element? Everyone's everyone's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, cool. You've invented life. Brilliant. Action and effects six. How villainous was the villain? Seven out of ten. More villainous? Yeah. That's wrong. Is she talking about She's talking about the, the real villain, the, the writers. What's she talking about? <laughs> I disagree. I think she's talking about uh, the... Uh, Ricky, Mickey Rock. Mickey Rock, yeah. The Whiplash. I want my bird. <laughs> I want my bird. <laughs> Fuck off, Mickey Rock. Storyline six. Oh, my God. Best bit, the Formula One scene and the, fi- <laughs> and the final fight, discovering a new element, science shit. <laughs> Just going to tell you now that my dad works for Formula One. Do you have any idea the amount of paperwork and insurance you need to be a driver? And he's just like, I'm going to be a driver. What if his driver was in the men- it was in the hunt for a championship? And the fuckers for- just cost him. It smashes the, the girl uh, up. Never forget the Elon Musk cameo in that scene as well. I did forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bad bits. Not as good as the first. Dipped in the middle. Was a bit boring. And then, of course, we only, we only got four uh, uh, to, to the movie for. Um, overall, eight for the character. Really? I thought, yeah. oh, he's very weak. Character eight. Oh, I think I think someone's got the Hemsworth goggles on, mate. Acting seven. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Action and, uh, and effects seven. When? How villainous was the villain? Six point five for Loki in the first movie. Storyline six. Yeah. Best bit when he gets his hammer back. <laughs> Do love that bit where he gets his hammer back. Bad bit. Nothing horrendous. Took three attempts though to finish this film. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we did get through uh, Captain America: The First Avenger because, again, it was. It, I think it was just too much. I think I think three was enough. Yeah, I, I, I know your wife. So that's, that's actually quite impressive. <laughs> just going to tell you now though, the biggest dick is 
we're told that Idris Elba, Heimdall, can see everything. Mm. Except for the many things he <laughs> can't <laughs> see in this Except film. for a lot of things that would really help. <laughs> Basically, if it's, if it's going to help him with the plot, no, he can't see yeah. it. Yeah. I just, I really wish that you'd seen the ice giant, you know, when it appears and Heimdall's like, or oh, you used your magics to confound me, but you actually saw the ice giant in camos. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of face paint, and he just kind of like popped up. I would have fucking marked out for that, mate. There's a lot going on in that first four movies. There's so much going on. And, and I do like it, going back to it, because my first time watching it, I remember coming out of the cinema being like, is that it? Like that, that it was like all in that kind of small town. The big yeah. villain at the end doesn't really hold up. It's the brother storyline. But then when you go back, there is a lot going on in that. Falls off the Rainbow Road. You the expect, Rainbow Road. You, you, you expect Mario to catch him. <laughs> my, my, I remember thinking when, when I came out of that film is, do you remember Kenneth Brannan? Yeah. Kenneth Brannan directed Thor. Never forget. No, no. He, uh, he made a big deal about all his promotional work and all his interviews. He was like, we're trying to, you know, magic is science that just doesn't happen. And the way the MCU no, no, went. That we don't understand. That we don't understand. And they just got to Doctor Strange and went, yeah, fuck it. Magic's magic. real. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. Kenneth Branagh trying to ground Thor in reality. Like, next next up, don't matter. Also, what, <laughs> what, point, what point did Thor start, like, dyeing his beard and his eyebrows? That's the storyline I want to see. Because them eyebrows are blonde in that first movie. Oh, There's mate. a lot of fun, though. Like, you know, when he first comes down, he's like, bring me a horse. And he's like, what's this, coffee? Another. You know, there's a lot of cool Thor movie scenes in it. But, um, and that, yeah, I mean, to be fair... I think she dodged a bullet because we never had to watch four two. Push out, yeah. Or Iron Man three, which is where I thought we were going to get to. Um, but oh. yeah, a couple of uh, you know other ones just to discuss quickly. Um, I've gone back to a TV series, James. What are you doing, a TV you? series that I said I was done with. I had no intention of returning to, and now all of a sudden I'm like, do you know what? Go on then, what? and that's Walking Dead. Oh, do you know what? I've always wanted to go back there. However, the grind of like season three or two, not for me. You're a bigger man than I am, sir. I, I got to seasons, I think it was six, at the end of six, when Negan comes into it. And then... I didn't get a far. I got to, were they in a prison? Yeah, yeah, that's that season three. They brought back, they had the governor. Yeah, yeah. I loved the governor. And then he just kind of shows up and is like, I'm going to leave now. And he leaves. And he comes back in the next series and then they kind of waste him. And I was done with that. Yeah. I was like, I love the governor. Brought him back with a tank. Yeah, they yeah. did, yeah. So I got to the Negan bit, which I was excited about because I did. I read the graphic novels and got Negan as a character, and they were hinting at Negan for ages, little Easter eggs and trails of like dead bodies that look, you know, caved in, you know, and you, and the little note Negan did this. Well, no, and then there's a, there's a there's a scene as well with like a Polaroid where again someone's been bashed to death, and so you're like he's coming, and then then the internet rumor started. Jeffrey D. Morgan was attacked. Great casting. And then we knew that it was going to end on this cliffhanger that someone's dying. And then I remember watching the the death scenes and thinking, oh, I've done with this. This is too much. I mean, I could get like zombies and people being eaten and shit. Mm. And that does start getting a bit repetitive after a while. But the bashing of people's heads in and that and, and just the viciousness of it. I know it's shot content and Game of Thrones really used that as well. You know, that no one was safe. But I Did just... We- the, I, and Glenn's time was up. I knew that because in the comics, again, he... He does die by Negan. But didn't they save him like two episodes before? I read, and then like, they they go to it. Oh, is he dead? Oh no, he's alive. He's dead again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. So they did that where you know everyone they thought he was risk, fine. The risk yeah. had gone, and it's same with Abraham's character again in the in the in the graphic novels. I believe he gets shot in the head with an arrow, which they did to a character called Denise. So it's like parallel but different. So he was now on borrowed time because his character kind of ran its course and. 
So I was like, I'm not really going to go back to it because it, it just got too violent and graphic and, and I just felt really uneasy. But I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I want to see the arc of that character. Yeah. Because Negan now is somehow like this anti-hero, fan favourite. And I'm like, really? The vicious guy that got people on their knees and beat them in? I kind of want to see this arc because yeah. at the heart of any good TV show is good writing. And actually, if they can, you know, it could, I could be missing out on, on TV's you could greatest on villain. Greatest turn as well. Like, yeah. oh my God, it's like, it's like, I don't know, wrestling. You know, like the, the, the villain becomes a hero. And you're like, oh my God, I exactly. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, this could be like wrestling, James. Um, <laughs> could be like Stone Cold Steve Austin turning here at WrestleMania 17. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Do not know. <laughs> and I must admit that after you get past the head crushing episode. Wow, you really have smashed it, haven't you? Yeah, so I didn't rewatch the episode. I went oh, straight into episode two oh, okay, of right, that okay. season. I was like, I know who you. Died. You've seen them on a farm yeah. for fucking ages, and and so I, I watched the end of that season, and weirdly, mm-hmm. there's like a hint of comedy in the, uh, which I think they had to do to balance out the the just pure violence <laughs> of that first episode. I found myself thinking like, there's actually some really genuinely like funny scenes in this, and and characters and stuff, and it still has the viciousness in it, and. And I'm watching it thinking, like, actually, Negan is a really good bad guy. Like, he's vicious as oat, but they also humanise him in that series. And he's like, I didn't want to do those things, but I had, you know, I'm, you have we to have be. rules in yeah. this world and, you know, and people survive from being tough and you broke those rules and you did kill, like, 20 of mine people. And so two is pretty now, good. Now, I'm not justifying <laughs> the man. I'm not, let's make that clear. I'm not a, I'm not a Negan defender. <laughs> <laughs> but they are starting to pave that way of, like, actually, there's another side to the character. Um, and I did. I've just finished season seven, and I thought, actually, yeah, I'm, I am going to f- see this through now because you've got. And I'm way behind. So anyone listening to this that knows Walking Dead are like, "Fucking hell, dude!" There's like five seasons after this, but they started to introduce these different camps, these different towns, and how they all work for him. But they're all going to band together and and revolution. Yeah, and you know, and, and weirdly as well, that season zombies are like. Not nothing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, like literally, there's a scene with like the zombies coming towards one of them, and this guy just pushes it over. <laughs> It's like you remember when they were a big threat. Yeah, well, you remember when like they were the principal like villain. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm back watching a bit of Walking Dead, and I never thought I was going to, and I have. I must admit, I have actually quite enjoyed going back to those characters and in true Aaron style. Now it's all over. Yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> it's a shame you've not gone back earlier because I always wanted to ask the question in season three or four, like, um, old John Doe, mate, mm-hmm. who lost his arm, obviously cut his hand off to get out of the chains. Uh, why has he replaced it with like the world's saddest looking knife? <laughs> Do you remember that? He's just got like a, like a butter knife on yeah. the end of his nub. Called Yonku. Oh, Yonku. Yondu. Yondu. Um, Yondu, yeah. I can't um, remember his name either, hence Yondu. Michael um, Rooker. Rooker. Yeah, together, teamwork. I liked it. Yeah. And they were the golden ages. They were the he, golden was, age. he was a cool character. Like, but, but let's be honest, that knife, that knife won't scare no one, mate. But, but again, I think in the graphic novels, Rick only has one hand. Yeah, he does. But the reason they didn't want to do that is because Andrew Lincoln was like, that was severely limit, basically. I want to be... I, I've got some paychecks to cash. If you do this too early, mate, I'm done. <laughs> Andrew Lincoln's like, come on, I act through my hand. <laughs> it's a, that's where his power is drawn from. How do I wipe my brow? I think Andrew Lincoln, you know... Do you know what my problem with that is? It's, just, it's not like 24. So 24, you should have to get a haircut every three hours or something like that. Um, it's something ridiculous, but... They look so grimy. Can you imagine being grimy for like 10 months? Yeah, that would do my head. I'd be like, just give us some but, soap. Can, can we have a scene where I have a bath? <laughs> there's a, there's a, a, the Negan episode, though, that, that is the one continuity issue. Is Negan has a beard and then he makes a point of going, I need a shave. And then, but then Still has a beard. in the last episode, the stubble keeps changing length. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and also, 
Yeah. Fucking tiger in it, James. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a fucking tiger. Well, why wouldn't there be? <laughs> first, first, thing, first thing you do when there's zombie apocalypse, go get yourself a tiger, mate. <laughs> yeah, but actually, to be honest, kind of figure that's yeah, not you bad. Would, yeah. <laughs> but, get yourself it, two. Well, that's where it went wrong. That's where the budget went. <laughs> because the, there are some scenes where the tiger looks badass, and then there are scenes where it's like they've CGI'd a deer into a foreground because Rick needs to look on the horizon and see beauty and perspective to Jesus. show that he has depth. And the tiger. And, and this deer looks really fat. <laughs> but then you're like, but that looks like a very real tiger. My, you know the third part of the Caribbean film where they obviously went out of budget and like there's a throwaway scene. We go, what's that? It was a crack and it's dead. And you're like, yeah, couldn't yeah. afford it. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. Forget about it. It's finished. I oh. I always go back to that cracking thinking, did they actually explain why it died? No. Oh, then, yeah. But then I don't want to know. Okay, I do thing. know the reason. <laughs> I don't want to know. Because <laughs> I'm the same. I'm like, I went into the cinema watching that third film going, let's see some more of that fucking crack. The, the, the thing that ended yeah. the second film. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Ignore it. Move on. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Like the franchise. Yes, exactly. Um, do you know what franchise will never die? It's, it's probably Liam Nielsen, you know, being, oh, being like having his family like targeted or in trouble, and some great acting, mate. Some of the best writing, some of the greatest casting you'll ever see in a film. I, I, I saw Retribution this week. I don't know about you. Did you did you have to settle down to see Fund Manager? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the, that, that's what I thought. It's like. <laughs> I mean, Taken was on a budget, but this is like really budget Taken. Yeah, very budget. It's like Liam Neeson plays an American in a European city. Taken? Yeah. No, he sits in a car. He's like some kind of insurance man. He manages funds, which means he manages money. But one day, it all goes wrong when he sent a list of tasks to do. Otherwise, this person will blow up his car. Normally, he wouldn't care. But it just so happens this is the day he decided to be a good dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the one also, day. Also, and I love Liam Neeson, but... I mean, he, if it was that he was, it should have been. It was the one day he had his grandkids, because there's a no, 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 no. There was, there was very young kids, mate. There is very young, kids. and that's not me being judgmental. You know, like all for him. You know, no, for no, no, no. for being an older man with you know younger family. But take like, the there's a scene at the beginning where he's like he's boxing because he gets up in the morning and he exercises and he's showing he's hard as nails, but he really isn't. No, and he's, he's very not. frail in this film. Sat down for the whole thing. So, uh, so he basically goes to places. And if you're wondering what kind of film is this, well, if you enjoy a man sitting in a reasonably looking car, you know, he's got all the gadgets. Come watch live TV in it, which I don't understand why you put a television in the car because you're supposed to really what's that word driving and paying attention to the road. But his job is to go to certain places and watch other characters explode. His boss is played by Matthew Modine. I love Matthew Modine. Criminally underused in this film. Mm. Mm. Uh, he certainly had a resurgence from Stranger Things. He has, and I do like him. I do like seeing his face pop up in things as well. It also has the young Jack Champion in it, who watched recently in Scream 6 or whatever that was. You know when we was like the ending when the killers were revealed and you're like, yeah. oh my God. So many. So that is, that is like in my memory. And then when he pops up in this film, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Maybe the same character. Um, what you get is you get exactly what... Do you know what? There were films out there that would accuse you, that you could accuse of not giving you what you wanted. This film very simply sits up like if you get out of that car, the bomb will go off and you'll explode. And fairness to him, he does not mm. get out of that car because he's written in his contract, money's fucked. I am not getting out of this car. I'll give you 10 minutes at the beginning of the film. And that's it. Even in the climactic scene, mate, at the end, he's still sat in his car. We still don't have any doors on it. it it's a, it's an odd movie because I know it's a remake, isn't it? It's a re remake. I think, is it a French or is it? Is it a film called Taxi? No. That was that. But, <laughs> I might show myself on the foot there. But it, it, it's... Um, 
you know, for a film set in a single location, I remember watching that. Can you remember Unhinged with, um, what was that movie with uh, Russell Crowe in it? Oh, the one where he plays Angry Driver. Angry Driver. Yeah. But that attention. It did. And, and, it, and it had like a, fucking hell, like I would yeah, not want. acting in it. I wouldn't want Angry Russell Crowe coming at me. But, and I know that they get out of the car in that film and, and stuff and they're not limited to yeah, the but car. Mostly. But, but the majority of the film is based in cars and, yeah. it's, and it builds attention and it builds like a suspense and an unease. This film at no point was that. I was like, yeah, just get out of the car. Do it <laughs> Let's end this film now. <laughs> also, I'm going to say now, you know, we don't want to take the mick out of fictional police officers. Maybe the worst police officer I've ever seen. And she's just like, maybe you can explain it, but I think you did it. Then lets him go away. Yeah. <laughs> just lets him leave. There's, there's, a, there's a moment as well. I remember watching it. I watched it on like a Friday night. <laughs> because you had nothing better to do I had the house do. on my own and I could have done anything I was like let's watch this film and I had a pizza and stuff and there's, there's a bit like 10 minutes in where his kids have basically said I don't like you yeah he's got oh, a bomb under his seat they're very then, open about that and then he finds out his wife's gone to the divorce lawyer in the special about three oh, minutes it all happens at once doesn't it he's having a bad day isn't he <laughs> also friend he, she's got a friend that in an instant like she's like where's my wife it's like I've been told not to tell you it's important oh she's a divorce yeah. <laughs> he's like straight away like immediately <laughs> he's like oh yeah yeah she's leaving you mate then he has to explain and also like he rings up the divorce lawyer he goes like I need to talk to his religion I know she's there and they're like oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah here's the phone and nothing she, to do with patient confidentiality <laughs> and she or, believes or him he's like oh could you come out of there and go get me 20 grand out and she's like yeah yeah of course I'm still divorcing you though it's <laughs> a fucking dumpster, mate. It, it, it is straight to straight to Sky TV. It's a Sky original, I think, but it, it is, is based. It's a remake, uh, and I do think that Sky will shoot themselves in the foot with this type of thing. God loves a trier. But Sky Originals, they they gave us Dave Batista at half time trying to find fucking what is it Russian, uh, Russian uh, Rosnan at the West Ham. Russian Pierce Rosnan. Is it Aston Villa or is it West Ham? I think it's West Ham because it? it's in London, isn't it? In London, it is, it is yeah. <laughs> Never forget that film. because because he's a war criminal who loves West Ham. They all <laughs> they all do. You can't throw a penny anywhere without hitting a war well, criminal. Well, that Mandy Moore's that we talked about recently, didn't they as well? And yeah, yeah. The, the Sky Originals aren't always great, but the gun. What was that milk gunpowder milkshake? I quite like that with Karen Gillian. I remember you saying about it, but I'm going to tell you now. There's a you do know the iceberg theory. You love something, it's the tip, but then you go deep, deep, deep. The fucking Sky Films. It's, it's an iceberg in itself. The utter reaches are where you get something like The Last Rifleman. Yeah. Yeah, which I've seen this week. Can, I, to, can I talk it, about The Last you, Rifleman? Go on, and you do that, because then I'm going to blow your mind with a film I've seen. So The Last Rifleman is obviously... Do you know... Um, you know, one of the greats, Michael Caine, has left. He's retired. Yeah, and he's, he's left. Enough. And his last film is about a soldier of war who wants to basically escape his care home and go to the Normandy celebrations and basically remember his friends one last time before he dies. Mm. Uh, but no one will let him go. You're too old. You've, you've got heart attack. Based on a true story of a, of a real-life warrior who did that, who basically escaped, smuggled himself out of Britain into Normandy and got there, became a very famous hero. I can't remember what that's film, but that's Michael Caine's last film. Mm. You see that in a shop and you go, oh, mummy, I want that. And she tells you, no, we've got that film at home. The last rifleman with Pierce Brosnan, which is exactly the same storyline. And Pierce Brosnan, they, they age up. He, he, they smother him in latex. He's an old man, divering. I quite liked it, and I feel dirty for liking it. It's a story about the people he interacts with. They have a good story, like he's hitchhiking with a young gentleman, you know, because he can't afford... Because his passport's out of date, so he, mm. has to, he has to smuggle himself over the, over the border in, in Ireland. <clears throat> 
get to Dublin, get on a ferry, that type of thing, is actually very briefly, it's actually quite a charming story. But it makes me think, oh my God, I can't wait to see the Michael Caine version of this. You know, if I've got the, the Wish version, how much must the good version be? So I'm really looking forward. It's very rare that I watch a film that makes me want to watch the next, the better film, if that makes sense, the other version of it. There was, there was a there was a book that I read, and it sounds very similar. And it, it was, um, I was just looking at my bookcase trying to see what it was. It was it, something along the lines of uh, the the. The, the Great Escaper. No, uh, it, it was uh, the the incident of the hundred year old man, and oh, it's yeah. about a hundred year old man in a care home who just who just leaves one day. Yeah, it goes on this insane Epic adventure journey, yeah. and and meets all these characters well, and yeah, but and and then I think they did the the follow up book was like the hundred and one year old man. He kind of come back for for the sequel. Sell sold out, mate. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was very just... slow paced because he needed to keep <laughs> sitting down. <laughs> I just I should mention that the D Day veteran in real life was called Bernard Jordan, and Michael Caine's last film was called The Great Escape. Yeah. Now the reason I wanted to watch that is because I genuinely am on a sort of weird. There's something quite quite nice about being British and we we like to do small films like this. We we like to yeah, yeah. celebrate the weirdos. You know, recently I watched The Duke with Esther and I loved it. I liked oh, yeah. The Phantom of the Open. I really liked that film. I, even if you go back to I haven't seen it but Eddie the Eagle, you know, with mm. um, Hugh Jackman and Darren Egerton. Oh, we celebrate the underdog, the hero. I saw a film yesterday that I really surprised me. It's 2022. It's The Lost King. And it's about it's with Steph, uh, it was written by directed by Stephen Fry. It's about the real life study of a lady, a single mother, you know, divorced from her husband. They're still quite close. Who gives up her job to find the king under the car to park. find the king under the car yeah, park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've, I, I I've saw this. Fucking loved it. I genuinely thought it was brilliant. And the it's Sally Hawkins, isn't it? Sally Hawkins. That's the name I'm trying yeah. to find. Sally Hawkins gives such a great job of like this haunted the, the under. The underdog, the mm. British underdog, and I, I'm really liking British films at the moment. I'm really celebrating like that. What makes us different is that we don't need guns. We need we need Mark Addy <laughs> and Steve Hawkins digging up a car park yeah. to find a king. <laughs> so Hawkins, he's, uh, has he got partridge in it as well? Alan, pa- yeah, Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. He's got Steve Coogan, and then it's got the guy whose name no one knows. He he was the thick one in Vicar Diddley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who looks exactly like the person he's portraying. I, I I I quite liked it as well. Yeah, I found that like a with the British movies, you've got the you know you've got the Juggernauts, the Harry Potters, you've got the Paddingtons. You know, I'm not I'm not for them, mate. I, I mean, I am. They've got a time and a place. They Christmas. do. That's true. Um, but yeah, I do like a nice indie, low key, low budget, um, you know, character piece. And what I love about smaller ones, it's always it's always where do I know that person from? Like what? And then I was like, oh, they've got an apparition of Richard III talking to Sally Hawkins, which is a bit weird because no one steps in and goes, you're talking to nobody. And I'm like, where do I know him I'm from? Just... Oh, that's right. He got his head caved in by uh, Carl Drago in Game of Thrones season one. He's Daenerys' brother. Oh, it's that yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. See, there you go. I love... Smelted, smelted. But he's on. He's on Sky. Watch it. It's actually really good. I've really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I watched that one a while back. I quite enjoyed that. It was again. It was it was harmless fun. It's kind of for me. It's in that full Monty pit. Like like uh, yeah. You know, well, like, Mark Addy in it. Yeah, yeah. That's it's probably just, what it is. Yeah. Mate, why don't we just admit that we love Mark Addy? Both of us. He could he could be in. I can't think of a single film we wouldn't improve. Fast and Furious, the big villain at the end, who's like controlling everything, and he's like Mark Addy. Love it. Sign me up. The villain in the next Bond movie, Mark Addy. Do you know they're coming up with a Harry Potter, you know, Harry Potter TV show? Mm. Harry Potter, Mark Addy, <laughs> make it. No, 
as Harry Potter. <laughs> no, I just want to see you. I just want Mark. Because you could do Hagrid if they did the whole make him bigger by you know with special effects. I think every character. The hat. The hat. <laughs> he, the should do, hat. he should do the hat, but he should just be Mark Addy sat on a voice head. <laughs> I uh, I watched this movie uh, that's just come out on Netflix, or it came out a couple of weeks back, where the trailer really got me because the trailer looked kind of sinister and dark and <clears throat> couldn't really gauge whether or not it was going to be thriller or whether it was going to be kind of more indie drama. And it's a movie called Reptile. Ooh. And the real driving reason for watching it was that Benelso del Toro is the lead <gasps> who, you know, a del Toro sighting nowadays gets rarer and rarer, okay. particularly in a lead role where it's very much, you know, every scene he's in as opposed to being a character with an ensemble cast, you know, like you watch Sakara and you want more del Toro. but this you know he's in every scene it's his you know driving film it's also got um eric bogerson in it who you may remember as the villain from uh of uh under siege 2 oh yeah and Uncle which Gems. one with the, the oh no i know which one <laughs> yeah yeah the guy don't make it up the ladder at the end um it... <laughs> it's got alicia silverstone in it Jeez, no yeah mate and... i haven't seen her since batman and robin exactly <laughs> And it's got, of course, Justin Timberlake in it at Do the centre uh, of this crime because Benelso del Toro plays Tom Nichols, who's a hardened uh, New England detective married to uh, Elisa Silverstone, picks up the case of a murdered woman, uh, Justin Timberlake's partner, girlfriend's, mm. uh, I don't think, spouse, fiance, maybe, yeah. um, but love interest, is murdered viciously and Justin Timberlake finds uh, the body. He's a suspect, but then again, so is everyone <gasps> in a film where twists and turns and it's you know who is it and what was the motive and why and it's in, embezzled in it is the property market and people that maybe are making money off this uh, this scenario and del toro is the straight cop in it who it, it kind of gave off vibes and it's nowhere near as good as this but it gave off vibes of copland you know where you've got so much shadiness mm. but in the center someone who's unwavering to bribery and yeah. just needs to get the person who's done it wrong even if their friends are connected to it and it kind of does go down that route where by the end it's a satisfying ending but by the end i was like oh i would at the beginning of the film i wouldn't have linked them two characters as knowing each other but apparently they do and you know it's got this kind of conspiracy behind it and it and it, it does play out you know pretty well so good is it a good you know how it's thought it's out definitely a netflix film where i you know if i went to the cinema i probably would have been like ah, i could have done something better today but yeah netflix <laughs> netflix was was it was the good host for this film and, and a good discovery it's called reptile i hadn't heard of anything about it again loaded up netflix it was like new out today i was like del toro's in it let's go and like i said the trailer made it look quite good i mean i watched it i talked about a movie a few weeks back a science fiction film with anthony mackie in it and jamie dornham i think it's called like uh, sing, sing, synchronicity or something it was mm. called and again it was like that Like the tra- there was just something about the trailer that had this kind of sense of I don't know doom or terror or or horror but it wasn't but it wasn't showing anything graphic it was more like this it's got a broody atmosphere and Reptile certainly has that throughout the whole thing it's you know it's not gory or violent at any time and there's guns in it but it, there's just an un wavering unsettling kind of feel throughout the whole film mm. um, it's quite good reptile like, yeah i wouldn't say it was brilliant but i i'd, I'd say it's, if you like kind of cop dramas whodunit mysteries um it, it might be worth a little watch i 
Because Justin Timberlake's pretty good in it, actually. I actually quite like Justin Timberlake. In, I thought he was really good in Alpha Dog. And In Time. <clears throat> I was going to say In Time. In Time's a really good movie. I know he's done other things. I just haven't seen him. Don't have a go at me. I'm sorry. sorry. Now, I've got something for you. You know, it's just been the spooky season, mate. Mm. I know it's not now, and it's gone, but we haven't had a chance because of, you know, the laptop. Now, Mia Goth. You know Mia Goth. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really. I, I saw it in things, you know. She never really. Oh, I don't know her, but yeah, I've seen her in things. <clears throat> never really got her. And then this week I watched uh, Pearl. I also watched a little film called Infinity Pool. Uh, they're both on Sky. Yeah. They're both on the horror section. And I'm going to tell you now. I posted it the other day. Mia Goth terrifies the piss out of me. She is. She is. I reckon I've discovered. I think she's going to be the next big thing. She, I think she's phenomenal. Um. Pearl is a film like you know, she's at home with her parents on the in the stairs during the end of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know. She dreams of being a dancer, you know, doing Hollywood, getting out of this. She doesn't belong here. Her mother is, you know, overbearing. Her dad's disabled, you know, chair bound. You know, he can't move. She has to look after him. She has to keep the homestead safe. You know, she has to go out. Buy what's needed and come straight back. And she needs to make sure that you know dinner's on the table. She needs to help clean. She doesn't want to do that. She uses the money left over to go to the movies, mate. You know she's married. Her far her husband's off at war. She meets a projectionist. She falls in love more with the movies. Should probably mention as well that she's fucking out of her mind, <laughs> mate. She's I've seen the trailer. Uh, she's yeah. so. But the scariness, like when it's opened up and she's feeding things to the crocodile. They're, the, it's the over-happiness. You know, she's got a big old smile on her face. She's so happy. But the, the sinister overtones almost come out of the screen and, and creep up to you. Um, deadly with an axe. Like the final the final scene when she's chasing someone. And she's barely walking, but somehow... And I don't know how they do this because it's a continuous shot. She's barely walking, but the person's running. But the person running is doing such a good job because the person walking is gaining on them. And I don't understand how they make it work. Mm. So it's obviously camera trickery or, you know basic signs <laughs> that's happening but Pearl genuinely had this creep of it it's that kind of creepy with a smile on its face it comes up to you and kind of it's the smiling predator you know the one that's creepy like the Joker it's not menacing it's terrifying the the, the quirkiness the happiness like she's singing and dancing there's this just before I, I try not to go into spoilers before an event happens someone brings them a suckling pig and it's outside as the film goes on various characters come to the house and you see the pig with more and more maggots on it, like rotting away and being eaten. It's just a terrifying visual on this like picturesque homestead. It's a phenomenal film. I really liked Pearl. I thought it was cracking. It was great. But Mia Goth carries this film in a way that's unbelievable. I, for an actress I didn't really know much about, she is it. She is it. Yeah, because she seems to be the screen queen at the moment. Because she's yes. also in. You already X. mentioned X. So there's X, Infinity Pool, and Pearl. Because when you put a, a status up saying Mia Goth terrifies me. Someone said, we wish. Yeah, because yeah, like, there's quite a few at the moment. Because X is the one about the adult movie. I haven't seen that go, one. They go to film an adult movie and the residents of the old farmhouse are a bit sadistic. And I think it's got a sequel coming out or has a sequel out uh, with Mia Goth's character continuing. I will watch it because of Mia Goth. Um, Infinity Pool, like you mentioned. But I, I, back in 2016, she did a cure for wellness. Oh yeah, I know that you've seen it because she's also in the first series of The Tunnel. She oh, yeah. she is the child that obviously gets taken in by the guy that then goes on to mm. sword people, <laughs> stab people. That's the word. Yeah, it's season two, that is. Oh, is it? That's season take two, James. T- uh, yeah, that's season two of the tunnel. I thought it was series one. You find a series one. 
I think you found the season two because that's when all the passports are found in the Channel Tunnel. It's that episode uh, in in the in the you know channel. Let's not get into it. I don't. It's, I'm going season two, James. I, don't, I, don't I, I'm going season one. I mean, that's fine. You it's go. Fine. You, 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 you be wrong. Fine. You're wrong. <laughs> um, Carry on, mate. She also linked for Blade, didn't she? Is she? Yeah. Blade, the the coming Blade, the, the upcoming, the one that they're getting pushed back, the, the one that they're definitely going to cancel. Never, <laughs> never going to make. Never come out. Uh, yeah. Right, the oh. tunnel. Oh, here he goes. He's going to no, do carry on, mate. Go on. No, Go on. it's one of the truths, which is the season one. Oh. No, take, take your word for it. Season one, me ago. Wait, it's on the internet, so it must be. It must be true. You watched, uh, I know you watched the film that I've seen as well, which is totally killer. Oh, yeah. I that makes it. it sound like it'd be cool. The film's called Totally Killer. The, the film on, on, on the Amazon. The Amazon Prime. The, uh, the Amazon's big horror movie this year. Uh, totally Killer. Do you, what, what do you think of that? I love, a, I'm really bored of timeline in comic books, like going back in time or alternate dimensions. I like when horror takes a risk, it tells something new. I'm, I'll stand on the, the hill, I'll die on the hill of happy death day was the best thing to happen to the groundhog formula. You know, you keep getting died, but you keep reliving the same day and you try to learn each day something more about your killer. The idea of going back in time is, you know, is actually really cool to try and save your loved one's friends so she's got an overbearing mother what i don't like is that time travel is very easily readable available in this in this fucking film it's a joke it's ridiculous i know it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek but it's too much tongue in my cheek i i was i was watching that film and it's it's funny that you mentioned happy death Day because the film starts uh, so uh, totally killer is, is an amazon slasher that's come out and it, it plays on all the tropes that we know of you know high school kids uh, being victims to sadistic killers that have got a mask, that have got history, you know, they appear every so many years. Town, you know, victim to, to an urban legend, but actually did happen. Characters that were there, that have stayed there, I would fucking get yeah, this shit out of that. That's why I don't understand the screen, why she doesn't, like, change her name to Beth and go live in, like, I don't know, China. So I was watching <laughs> like, it. I was watching it, and they're like, "Yeah, there's this killer, you know, and and uh, the certain certainly the elders, the parents of the town don't like Halloween because of something that happened all those years ago of this guy, and uh, you know this killer. And you know, there's a death at the beginning. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is this is going down that Happy Death Day route of like, I didn't think that character was going to die early, you know, and um, it's got that it's got that sense about it, you know, certainly the the the, the lead character in it, which is everyone's favorite younger superstar. Um, Kiernan Shipka, I think, played young Sabrina, young Captain Marvel, young this that. You know, she's like the go-to. You need a a, a kid with blonde yeah, hair. She, oh yeah, she, she was the one. Yeah, she was the one. So she she's great. She's too in old it. now. She's great, and it's Jamie, the lead character in it. But she, there's a there's a there's a bit about her character where you're like, it's very modern. It's going to be smart. It's going to have that twist to it, uh, like a, a film like Happy Death Day. And then the time travel happens, and I was like, "Don't see that coming." Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, "Nowhere in the first ten minutes of the film did I think we're going to go back in time." No, no. Do you know why they're making a time machine? Why they're making a time machine for the school science fair? Yeah, and that, I, and that, 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 like the other person's doing a volcano, and he's like, "I'm going to win this year." What are you doing? Oh, I'm actually building a time machine. And he's like, "Oh yeah, because that's what they fucking do." Which, which is bullshit. yeah, I mean, it's laughable, but it's. Um, I was watching it and I was like, oh, we're going here then. Because that's also trendy, isn't it? It's like going back nostalgia, you know, going back to the 80s or the 70s. You know, again, it's kind of the Stranger Things thing, isn't it? Of like people liking seeing that and enjoying that. And Netflix, it's their kind of wheelhouse. 
So I was like, okay, so we're going back in time, and then she's a fish out of water because she doesn't fit in, and the comedy element of it is that she's, you know, very... Um, yeah, PC, PC, time for time. yeah. But they did this in that film about that cheerleader who got knocked in the red, and it was only 10 years, but we're supposed to think the whole world's changed that much. But it probably has, to be fair. At least the 80s makes more sense. It was 40 years ago. But there was, I, didn't, I didn't mind it, because it, then it goes through... It continues the idea of, like, these are scenes you've seen you know like starts at a house party very scream-esque mm. you know when someone dies next we go to a cabin in the woods mm. you know and so and and we go to a school and then we go to a fairground and it's like these are all places that we know and and um you know taking liberties and stabs at films that we're familiar with within the horror genre um and doing its own kind of modern take on it i mean i don't think it's anything like your happy death days and you know, even that freaky movie, which again was that play on a teenager yeah. and a serial killer swapping bodies, and now all of a sudden you got Vince Vaughn as a sixteen-year-old girl. You he, know, need, it, he needed the money, but <laughs> no, but I enjoyed that more than I think I enjoyed Totally Killer. I just didn't, I, I, I didn't like it. It wasn't for me though. To be fair, it genuinely that I've not his target audience, and I'm sure it will find a market somewhere. And it was different, and we always celebrate difference, unless we really hate it, <laughs> then we destroy it. You love different. Um. I've saved the best to last, mate. Have you got anything? Uh, you can you can go. You can go, mate. I'm gonna tell you now. You know when an actor just gives in, you know, like Dean Gaffney. We've been so negative. <laughs> today. I was like, like Dean Gaffney just appearing in, you know, selling. I think he's home insurance. He showed up the other day on my feed, going, "Dads, if you're 37 or not." I was like, "Well, I'm not a dad, so it's fine. Move on." But you know when they give in, they just start saying yes to anything. They don't really care. Mm. When Russell Crowe goes off the deep end, mate, he does not go off like anyone else. When he signed up for the film The Pope's Exorcist, <laughs> oh mate, he he when he when he doesn't care, he doesn't care to a next level. Mate, imagine this. He's the priest, mate. He is the priest that does exorcisms. He does look pretty badass as a priest though. What about his accent? His thick Italian accent <laughs> that you cannot escape. Like it's chasing you down a corridor. This horrible accent that won't leave you. He's the bad boy of the papacy, mate. That's right. He gets called in to a to a meeting of the cardinals, and they're like, just because you're friends with the Pope, that won't give you a pass. <laughs> you've been doing exorcisms without... You've been doing exorcisms without the right paperwork. He don't care, mate. He storms off. He goes to see his friend, the Pope. The Pope's got a special mission for him. There's an exorcist, and he's pulling out. There's only one man for the job. That's right. Put on your sunglasses. It's time to get fucking real. The number one assassin for the Pope goes out to fucking exterminate demons like nobody's business. He's there throwing in chucking his holy water. I am going to spoil this film for you because at the end, when he vanishes the demon, they set up for a fucking franchise <laughs> and I've never wanted anything so much more in my entire life than to watch this papacy-based hitman taking out demons and souls for the Pope. I fucking... The Pope's exist, mate. I don't know. I, it's like the conjuring on acid. It's so... If less is more, think how much more is. <laughs> it's just, it goes to the principle of, of shoot it up. Everything must be dialed up to 10. Subtlety, take it back and shoot it in the head. We're doing the Pope's Exorcist here. And I thought the Pope's Exorcist you know, was about, this man is the Pope's Exorcist. No, this demon's got his claws in the Pope, mate. This guy saves the religious world. I'm not joking. He don't play by the rules, but God damn it, he gets results. Blasphemy, James. <laughs> I'm just saying, right, if this was a cop film, you wouldn't have told the different... Like, just change it from, like, drug no, no, dealers. No, let's keep it. Let's keep it where it is. Let's keep it with the Pope. And I just think this is what... I just think this is what Catholicism needs. I, it, <laughs> it, needs it needs more. <laughs> it needs more of this film. I do not go downstairs and watch this film. Run downstairs and watch this film because he's off the fucking wall. He doesn't care. He's like, I'm going to sign on. They're like, right, you're going to play like... 
an American priest. No, I want to be Italian. I want to be authentic. Let me mozzarella up this accent. It is amazing. Cover the walls in pasta. That's how good it is. I uh, I hope there's a scene where he's filling a super soaker up with with holy water, and he's like, "Forgive me, Father, for I will sin." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, really go down the route of... We know that this film is crap. This is for if you thought The Exorcist was, like, was too good for you. <laughs> this is it. Um, I loved it, mate. This is a franchise I want more. The only way they can top it us off is in the second one he takes on Satan, and Satan is played by Mark Addy. That's all I want. <laughs> That's all I want. Oh, the Pope's Exorcist. It is on Sky Films. It is the peak. It's the peak, mate. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I, I'm not. This is a negative. I do mean it in kind of like a satirical way. I didn't turn it off in disgust. I wanted it. I kind of lusted for it. You know when you're like you fancy something really bad for you. Mm. Like I know you don't eat meat, but you know if you ever like fancy something like it's like oh, I shouldn't have chips. You know like, oh, I shouldn't. I'm like you, you had four plates <laughs> with cheese, cheese and, and like gravy, and you shouldn't, mate, and you're gonna die. Do you think the Catholic Church after Spotlight in 2015 were like? By our time, we'll come back. We'll come back. <laughs> I, I, I hope it's financed by the chair. I, do you know what? It's the best thing to happen. So at the end, mate, the way they set it up as well, it's like, I've got a case for you. <laughs> and I was just like, he should have pulled out shades and put them on and and rode off on a motorcycle. Oh, mate, I, what do you think this badass drives? Motorcycle, convertible, moped. Like, don't, like don't one, of them, one of them Italian, what don't do you call you them? Dare. A Vespa. A Vespa. <laughs> Have you ever wanted a demon-fighting priest riding around in Vespa more in your life? Mate, Russell Crowe plays this guy. He, I think Russell Crowe what, knew about this role when he was 20 years old. He's like, I'm going to prepare. I'm going <laughs> to fuck The you. world isn't ready for this. <laughs> the world isn't ready. I'm going to prepare for it. Do you, do you think, do you think uh, does it beat Noah? His, you know, the, his, other, his, his other accurate portrayal uh, of, a, of a character. Like most of the people on this planet, I didn't see it. Oh, I did. <laughs> you can't unsee it, James. You can't unsee it. Like the great waves in that film. You can't unsee it. It's kind of got this hypnotic, you know, what's the names in it? Um, Forgettable. No, <laughs> just, 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 just. Mate. Hermione Granger. Oh, Watson. that's a shame. <laughs> she can't win them all. Um, and mate, I did the last day. Please watch it. I've won everyone to it's, watch it, it. I loved it, it. It was already on my list. It's now moved itself very high up my list of <laughs> films I want to watch. For a film set off a franchise you didn't know you wanted, you've got it. Um, the only other thing I've been watching is the Fall of the House of Usher. No, no, not for me. It's like the 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 new uh, again Netflix um, you know, horror. Anthology. They do they do do them quite well though. I remember every two years or so they they do an original that everyone says, "Oh, it's so scary," or it'll make you poo yourself with disgust. Well, again, it's TV miniseries from um, Mike Flanagan who has you know has done some good stuff. Some of his previous t- uh, shows have been um, quite scary. You know, the I can never remember the name of him, but the 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 Haunting of Hill House or whatever that was, Blind Manor. They, they, they are. They are quite scary. I probably butchered both of them names. I can't remember what they're called. But his version of Doctor Sleep, I thought was really good because yeah. The Shining. That's a difficult film to it do is. a sequel to. You, you, no, you didn't come out of The Shining. Going, I wonder what happens to the kid yeah. after The Shining. Well, Stephen King did. He's like, I'll cash that check. When <laughs> but I obviously, it. Stephen King. <laughs> he <laughs> but, sees horror everywhere, mate. Because that the book again, you know, not to be that guy. It's like the book. But I, I didn't think Doctor Sleep was a good book. I was like, fucking hell, that's, it ends well because they go back to the Overlook like yeah. they do in the movie. Um, well, they go back to where the Overlook is because, of course, the book explodes, is blown yeah. up. Um, so I was quite looking forward to seeing how they do it. And and in, in Doctor Sleep, there's 
there's a there's a very graphic death of a child in it, which in the film they didn't shy away from the Jacob Jacob Tremblay scene, you know, with Rose the Hat has to and a, and a merry gang kill him with as much pain as possible to absorb the shining because it's it's juicier when the victim is is going through pain and that's the eight year old kid. So, but they didn't deserve you know, it to be so, fair. So, so right, you know, um, Mike Flanagan, I, I quite like you know for his, his gothic horror, you know, and certainly I suppose the other is Ryan Murphy with the American Horror franchise. Yes. Which, but it's odd because when I was watching the the fall of the House of Usher, I can't, it it felt like if I if I didn't know it was Matt Flanagan, I would have thought it was Ryan Murphy because it's the, it's horror but it's sexy. Ooh. Do you know it's like and I'm like when when did we start crossing these two bridges? <laughs> you know like where it's like a load of blood but then people have sex on that blood. Ooh. And, you know what I mean? it's like it's got um, Carla. Uh, how do you pronounce her name? Carla Gugino in it. Uh, who, oh, I know him. Yeah. And who? Who I think is 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 really good and charismatic and 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 a chameleon of characters. It's got Bruce Greenwood in it, and I believe them two starred in um, when they did Gerald's Game together again, which I think was a Mike Flanagan movie adapted from Stephen King book. Bruce Greenwood is an interesting person, isn't he? Uh, yes, just, just an interesting face. That's all. Um, Always, it's like if there's a president, you need a president. Bruce Greenwood. Get Bruce Greenwood. Let's get Bruce Greenwood. He 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 he's, he. Is it has he found fame at older age? Because I don't know anything. I don't know anything other than his current attire. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I've so, got him confused with someone. I apologise. Carry on. No, it's all right. Um, so yeah, the film. The film Bruce is. Bruce Greenwood, mate. Yeah, National Treasure too. He's the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Of course. If you need a president, yeah, like he only wears a suit though. Like he's also the guy that frames Ashley Judd for his murder. Again, wearing a suit. That's probably the film I'd forgotten him from. <laughs> or in the president, where he plays president in 13 days. <laughs> you need a president, mate, or a guy in a suit and be an arsehole, it's him. Or, um, nice guy, still in a suit. Midnight Mass was the other uh, mini series. That's the one I was talking about like show. two years ago that everyone was like flapping their gums about. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I can't think I've ever said that phrase in my entire life. I quite like Mike Flanagan. And, and The Fall of the House of Usher is a weird one because it's. it's I think the reason why I probably didn't get absorbed in it is because it's 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 interlaced with the works of uh, Edgar Allan Poe, which uh-huh. I'm not overly familiar with, other than when nope. Nicolas Cage is screaming it or watching the following Kevin Bacon. That's the- oh, I thought you I thought you were going to go on unless it's been an episode of Horror House on The Simpsons. True, actually, there you go. Yes. They, they do some good yeah. ones in there. Yeah, they do, don't they? So I, I don't know the work. So I didn't get all the inside like Easter eggs and stuff that I might yeah. have got if it was you know around something. You know Stephen King, for example, I wouldn't. I would I'd see him. I'd notice him. Um, so yeah, I, I you know in each each episode is like how how one of his kids died. <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard. It's yeah. And it, there's elements of like ghosties and, and stuff, and you know there's some questionable CGI with a with with an ape in one of the episodes. I, I did. I I wasn't blown away by it. And and of course it's nowadays with horror and and particularly this time of year. You just get all them articles, you know, like Netflix most shocking scene oh, ever boring, filmed, it? and yeah. it's like it really isn't, you know, it, it, it really isn't the most graphic thing going. It's it's quite tame in comparison to even some of Mike Flanagan's other yeah. projects. Is it bad though? No, it's entertaining. It's you know, it's it's got a decent story. I did want to see how it ends. I think that's one thing with Mike Flanagan that he does very well. I think he carries an audience right to the end, so you want to see how it ends and how it wraps up and 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 how it kind of all comes together. It's got Thomas Elliot in as well, you know, little boy from ET, who's now obviously a fully grown man. <laughs> I do, I, what else has he been in? That's uh, it. the other the other Mike Flanagan stuff. So he's in the <laughs> Haunting of Hill House. 
and that Christmas advert from two years ago where he brought E.T. back. Oh, that's it. That's where I remember it from. <laughs> uh, Thomas Henry, not Thomas Elliot. Elliot was the character, obviously, in E.T. Thomas, uh, Henry don't, Thomas. Don't worry, mate. Everyone's going to remember. <laughs> the, the emails we would have got just then. Um, yeah, it was all right. Quite, It, it was okay. Yeah, not blown away by it, but at the same time, it's yeah. what it is. It's a Netflix it's miniseries. So what I'm getting this week, let's let's leave the negative at the door. Let's celebrate the positives. You know, I'm telling you, I genuinely quite like The Lost King. I thought it was quite charming in a very British way. And I'll I'll even say The Last Rifleman was actually okay to watch. Mm. There was not a tearjerker, but at the same time made you think. It does go through a lot. A lot of great, interesting secondary characters that you meet, like he meets another German officer and you're like, oh, he hates them. It, it does raise interesting points. I liked it. But, mate, the last, the Pope's exorcism were hilarious. Loved it. In all the bad ways, but but please, those three things are all on Sky. Check them out. Yeah, it's good to see Del Toro in a leading role in Reptile, and I think you, I think you, as a film fan, you owe it to watch Retribution just to see Liam sat down for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, see that, see that. Yeah, yeah, it is an achievement. It is an achievement. Normally, we're like, you know, it's edge of your seat. This is it's very firmly on the seat. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's reclining. A seat <laughs> with armrests, you know. And you'll learn to hate some children as well. So that's and, <laughs> and of course the David Beckham documentary. Who I could forget David Beckham? Your golden balls himself and that magical right for? Yes, yeah. yes. I learned something this week. Yeah, you did. That's our show. Uh, we've got a big one coming up. We've got um, Sylvester Stallone. We've got coming. Sylvester Stallone. We're going to talk about his movies and we're going to talk specifically about one movie. And um, We've got some other burners in there. We're back now every episode. We're reaching out, getting your interests, get you on the show, got an idea, get more involved. We're on all the social medias, usually right. at Sims, that's spelled S-Y-I-M-S. Underscore podcast. At, you're on the Twitter. Mm. We're on the Facebook. And the Instagram. And the Instagram. Soon we'll be on the TikTok because... <laughs> With middle-aged men, we know everything oh, about TikTok. TikTok. It might be well, someone might have a profile <laughs> and do it for us. There you go. Um, so you know, please get in touch. We love our fans. Thank you for supporting us whilst we've not been here. We love you. And of course, it's the countdown to Christmas soon. So we've got some more interactive episodes coming up as we wrap up the year and we go into festive period. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night, goodbye.